So today's episode is Finances 101 and we've got a guest today, Ed Chalice. Ed is a financial advisor who I've known for many years and had the privilege of watching evolve his career in that time. Um, Ed, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Tom. It's great to have you. Thank you for coming on. I am really excited to find out finally, after 32 years, how to properly control my own finances. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot from this. So I think the best thing to start with is if you could just give us a brief an introduction, tell us tell us all about where you started and how you got to where you are now before we get into the nitty gritty of numbers. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's actually been quite a recent change for me getting into the financial advising. Um, after we sort of left uni, I went on and joined the army and I was there for seven years. Um, after that, I ran a business for three years with my now wife um, and then concurrently to that, um, started doing some business coaching. I fell into sort of getting a business coach and then we just got on really well and I've run some uh, business events um, where we sort of combine outdoor activities and sort of personal growth and development along, along those sorts of things. Uh, and then just went, right, okay, time for time for a bit of a change from the business. It was quite volatile. Um, and when someone presented to me, you know, if you like to talk with people and help people out, don't discount, come and have a look at what we do. And then that's how I sort of got into the financial advising group from there. Cool. And I think we need to dig a little bit deeper into the things you've just mentioned. So you were in the army for seven years. What position yeah. were you in the army? Uh, so I joined uh, as an officer. I joined the Royal Regiment of Scotland. Um, I was a platoon commander uh, and then a recce platoon commander and then finished off um, at, uh, at the training training development school in, in Brecon um, as, a, as an instructor down there. And you were, you were also awarded by Her Majesty, were you not? Can you tell us about that? Certainly. Um, I was fortunate enough to command the recce platoon on um, one of the drawdown um, missions from Afghanistan, so what was Herrick 19, and I was surrounded by a fantastic team, and on the back of that, we just performed professionally, everyone performed well, we worked well as a unit, um, and to this day, I still see it very much as a sort of a team uh, recognition, um, but when you're the head, uh, if everything goes wrong, it falls on your shoulders, so when things go right, you, you get the upside of it as well. So what is your official title now? Uh, so uh, I was an Orden MBE uh, on the back of that, so that was uh, yeah, a real privilege as that's, well. That's amazing. Congratulations again for that. As we, your mates like to say, your last, last man in Afghanistan. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's possibly stretching the truth a bit, but uh, <laughs> no, we, uh, we had one of the last outposts and yeah, the, the, the boys were just, you know, awesome and it was a, a huge team effort, as I say, closing it down. Um, so yeah, just not messing it up from the top, I suppose, was the <laughs> one that's for. So when you, you left the army, you then went into business with your now wife and you had yeah. the, the food truck. So that's, that's right. This is the Spice Girl food truck. That's right. Yeah. And so, you said that that was quite a volatile income. Oh, massively. Yeah. So, you know, our, our income, 80% of our income, I'd say, you know, came during the summer, sort of five months at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, um, which was, you know, absolutely brilliant. It was like being on any sort of, you know, training exercise with the military where you're getting no sleep. You're on sort of, you know, 20, 23 hours a day. You're sort of there making sure that you're in the morning getting stuff set up and ready serving the food 
getting it all cleaned down in the evening. When you've got staff, you've got to look after their sort of timesheets, wages, and all the stuff behind the scenes. So um, I think, you know, the uh, John Favreau um, chef film gives it quite the uh, romantic <laughs> portrayal. Uh, yeah. Some fantastic times with it. Really did enjoy it. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was really hard work and um, uh, and really rewarding. So that stint of going it alone and being self-employed, do you think that gave you a better appreciation of money? And that's maybe what led to you looking at either becoming a financial advisor or just looking for something with a more stable income. Do you know what? I think actually because you're so busy running your business. Um, and I'm sure you've probably found similar things. You are concentrating. There's so many things you've got to cover. Actually, finances are some of the last things that you look at. If the money's coming in, you think you're going in the right direction, but you don't often take stock and go, right, is there a way I can improve this? You know, are there sort of different allowances that I can be making use of? Because it doesn't focus as one of your main priorities, which is you know totally understandable because you've got that many other things that you need to be doing. Um, so actually, once I started going through my training, I was sat in a position of going, if only I'd known this when I was running my business, you know, the, the, you know, the amount of things yeah. that I could have, you know, given, you know, given myself less pressure to do with certain areas, um, understanding the way that, you know, that, that, you know, you could get tax allowances, um, you know, what paying your staff was regarding tax, sorting people out, putting money into pensions, um, you know, just different things that would have made life life a lot easier. So I'm now really, uh, really happy to speak to people when they've when they've got a business and say, listen, there's a couple of things that I've I've learned. You know, if you, if you want me to give you a hand with that, that that's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell, isn't it? You're spinning so many plates and trying to keep them all going. Finances is just one that you know if the money's coming in fine if it's not you got to work harder but you don't think about breaking down those finances and working out okay where's the majority of the money coming from um you know maybe we could focus a bit more on that or you know where's it leaking yeah and, and that becomes the big issue isn't it you don't have a proper understanding of what's coming in going out you just let it happen and then lots of things can kind of slip through the net in that instance so this is a good time to really get into the, as I, as I said, get into the numbers. So do you want to just kick us off? You know, where where do we start with this? Well, I, th I think you're I think you're bang on there, Rhys. Um, with the the understanding is key. You know, if you if you don't know what's sort of coming in, going out, and where it's coming from, this can be sort of business, day to day life. You know, there'll be different finances that we need to to look at for different things. And everything's going to be very personal to, to different people. So the first point we're looking at is probably understanding um, finances is, is key. Um, and I like to make a comparison, as I say, between training um, for fitness or, you know, training your finances in a way. Um, it's really important to have things as goal orientated. For me, the joy in what I do isn't going, right, I want to advise someone to how they can save or invest to make the most amount of money money is arbitrary you know it doesn't it doesn't have a feeling associated with it but if people have got goals or objectives and things that they want to financially achieve that's the best way of of looking at things to to make sure that the plan is is fit for purpose and fit for the individual because no one size fits all you know looking looking at the finances thing the understanding is the is is the key part and and the first thing i think the very simple thing to do is just to to step back and look at where you are now 
um, and it's and it's almost just creating a budget and a good way to do this without sort of putting numbers on it because everyone will be will be really different with you know how much they're earning when their earnings are coming in um, depending if they're self-employed employed and I've got experience of doing these things you know in the army it was a steady wage that was coming in when I was doing the business it was you know a big peak in the summer and so it's having having the understanding of when it comes in and, and how you can best allocate it um, so there's a great book uh, by T. Harbecker called The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And, you know, he talks about the fact that we have a lot of our ideas around money and finances formed by the age of seven. You know, it's it's we see we're sponges when we're kids and we pick up the way that our families or friends, you know, how they think about money, what they do, how they spend, how they buy, how they save. And at, at a young age, you know, we'll find we'll either go exactly the same as what we've seen or we might massively rebel. So you might, you know, know guys whose parents have saved them really well out doing that. And then they just go and spend it all because, you know, they, they're like, oh, it was so boring. I hated saving the fact we never went and got anything new and all that sort of thing. So for for people as way of a, of a bit of guidance in there, um, it's sort of breaking down your income uh, and trying to put it into um, sort of categories. So a good breakdown is sort of having 55% of, of what you have coming in. If it comes in monthly or you can divide it up over the year, you can put 55% into sort of essential costs. So they're things for like what you need for your day-to-day, -day, your, um, your food, your mortgage, a car if you need to get to work. 10% um, you can put into an emergency fund. Now that can be you know different for, for anyone. It's just what people are comfortable having sort of saved in a in a bank account or something that's readily accessible. And once you've got enough in there, you can start putting 10% towards, you know, a holiday fund. You know, I remember you saying you were putting it something towards a skiing holiday, you know, things like that. And again, that's good because it's uh, it's goal orientated. So it, so it makes it feel good actually doing it as well. Yeah. Um, and with the emergency fund, would you just put that in another savings accounts, you know, with your bank <coughs> account? Is that the easiest way to do it? So, for, I mean, it's just what, whatever suits people. So for me, I've just got a separate um, current account that I've got with my bank and I just put money into there so that I can quickly access it. If for whatever reason, you know, something happens, you know, your boiler breaks or, you know, it's that it's that fund where you might need ready cash just now. And if you have longer plans for saving for your skiing holiday and all those sorts of things, you don't want to then have to take the money out from this skiing holiday to do that you want to have that nice little you know backup of reserves so that you can continue to enjoy life and you know make sure that you're you're saving in a direction and you don't feel you're just scrimping away on all those sorts of things um so another 10 percent would be to put into what can be known as financial freedom or long-term savings so stuff where you're not going to need to touch it you can put it into sort of something that's more sort of high risk because you'll have time for markets to play out. And again, there's so much depth you can go into in these areas, but I'm just going to keep it quite high level. But stuff that you don't need to touch for a long time. So it might be things like, you know, pensions or something you're not looking for for the next sort of 15, 20, 30 years, you know, something, something along those lines. And where would uh, that, I, I know you obviously don't want to go too deep into this, but what sort actually, of things are we looking at with the long-term savings? Is it... Um, like bonds or stocks, shares, that sort of thing, or was it? So again, ev ev everything's going to be really um, bespoke to an individual, and it all depends on how much risk you think you can tolerate. You know, some people are just naturally high risk takers and go, okay, I'm fine. If I never see that money again, 
that's fine. But I knew that I was putting that away for a, for a long time to try and get some really good gains from it. Whereas some people might look at it and go, well, I don't want to lose that money. You know, I want it in something that's quite low risk, that's going to accumulate over time, and that is for my 20-year goal, 30-year goal, whether that's, I don't know, or, you know, even even sooner. So, well, for yourself, prime example, you know, um, just had a son, maybe looking at education in, you know, university or cost associated with that. It's really important to me that, you know, I've got the ability to send my son to university or help out with that at some level. And it's all different for just, you know, anyone uh, as to as to what level of risk they want to take that. Um, and that's where I think that sort of my role comes in to be able to discuss those things with people and make sure that they are put into something that that is relevant for people and that it, it, it makes them feel comfortable with where they're putting that money. Um, another suggestion is 10% on your own your own personal education. You know the continual self development. You know it's the the best investment you can make is in yourself. You know because of what can then come from that. Um, you want to have 10% in like a play fund, a fun fund, you know, that has to be spent each month because if you are doing all this saving and, and you know, getting into this habit of not actually spending and enjoying any of this money, you'll go stir crazy at one stage and just go, and, you know, blow it all and go, what's, what's the point in it? Uh, yeah, and then I'm really, I'm really well uh, educated on the side because I've been doing all these courses, but I've not had mm -hmm. any. I didn't have any money to spend on actually enjoying myself while doing this. Exactly that, exactly that. So again, it's you know it's the key, and I guess you know this is where I relate it back to training again is having that balance. You know, you can't train hard a hundred percent of the time. You know, the body needs to recover. If you never eat, you know, you know some something where you can just let your hair down, you might just implode and just go right. You know, sod this training. <laughs> you know, this isn't for me anymore. Whereas if you maintain a nice balance with it, it's something that you can continue to maintain for for an extended period of time. It's like, you're, um, it's like you're relating this perfectly for me, Ed. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then the last five percent that's there is is sort of you know recommended of you know if you've got a cause that's that's close to your heart or something you know the the act of giving something away you know whether that's because you believe if you give away things will give back you know the the, the whether you think it's because the universe you know, hears you and will give back, or if there's just, you know, there's, there's that, you know, I remember you mentioning there's no such thing as a selfless act. If just by doing that, it makes you feel good, you know, whichever way that is. So sort of to recap that, it's sort of 55% in essential expenditure, 10% in sort of an emergency fund, or once you've got enough into a holiday fund or something, again, goal-orientated, 10% towards that long-term financial freedom, 10% towards self-education, 10% towards your play, and 5% you know, giving away. But again, that could be altered for, for different people. If people have got more things they emphasize that they want, you know, a bigger house, a better car, that 55% might increase and they might take something away from, you know, their personal education. Again, whatever makes people feel good. That's awesome. Yeah. So if we were, look, if you've got your salary, <laughs> let's say you've got, I don't know, three grand coming in in a yeah. month, 55% of that goes on your essentials and then everything else you just split out between the remainder. Yeah. And obviously that'll depend on, on what you have. And I, I guess it kind of, you say that 55% will be your essential living costs. That might be higher for some people because they might Absolutely. have more higher living costs mm -hmm. um, and a lower salary. So then you've got to kind of make the rest of it work. It might not be 10%. It might be 5% for all these things. Right. 
but exactly, and, and that's world. where you need you need the flexibility around this because you know things things are always going to change and things happen that that are unseen, and so if you've got a sort of a, a plan because I think the whole thing with this and um, you know is the well-being the financial well-being around it, um, there's so much stress associated with you know bills and not being able to afford things. There's actually been um, experiments done where people have sort of, you know, had parts of their brain monitored when they sort of see different things to do with finances. And when they see they're in the red, you know, in debt, it triggers the same sort of fear response, um, you know, as, as you would do if there was some sort of impending danger. Um, whereas if, you know, you're in the black, you know what it's like when you go and check the bank account, there's more in there than you thought there was going to be. You're like, oh, it feels great, doesn't it? That's that feeling of safety. You know, you're, you're, you're there. So it's For me, it's time, usually fear like I've done something wrong here. Yeah. So you know, what have I not, <laughs> I not paid? Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly that. So if you can have this some sort of plan that just alleviates some of that stress that's on you, I think that's the key with it. So as you say, have the flexibility. Some 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 of the essential costs may be higher. Because I, I you know I actually mapped that out. I just three grand was the figure that I just sort of you know came up with as well. So that looks at like 1,650 on your essential costs. And again, there might be things that come in each month that might alter from that, you know, ever so slightly. Um, and then it's, you know, 300 into all of the other things apart from your charity where you're putting 150. But again, if you know roughly what you're aiming at, and the key thing is why you're aiming at it as well. So if you've got that long-term goal, you know, because it is something for your son who you feel so strongly about that that's really key. It doesn't even feel like you're saving for it. It feels like you are giving, you know, you're going, I know why yeah. I'm doing this. And it, and it creates that feeling within you, which is which is great because, you know, it's something that you actually want to do. You want to do that giving uh, and, it, and it's very empowering. On my, as you know, my, my Monzo account, we've discussed the mm-hmm. fact I have a pot from a ski trip. I check that regularly because I do my, you know, the roundups every time I spend money, it rounds up to a pound and puts the remainder into that pot. I check that regularly because it makes me feel good seeing that number go up each week, even if it's by a couple of pounds, whenever I go getting close to that goal. Mm-hmm. Likewise, um, you know, if you're, as you said, if you know that this savings pot is for your son's education or whatever, I love the fact that you've just, you've, you've said that it's like giving and you get that feeling of happiness and, you know, it, it makes me feel really good that I can see money going into his account Mm-hmm. I'm giving it to him. Um, so just tying it to that feeling of accomplishment, I think, would be really helpful, actually. That's something I'm going to try and employ a lot more going forward. Cool. So now we've got a budget and we can see where the money's going. We know roughly how much to put into each position, into each pot, say. Where and how can I save money? I'm sure that, you know, like a lot of people, I've got a leaky bucket and I'm losing money in ways that I didn't even realize I was. So where do I start to find ways of, of plugging that bucket back up and saving some money? Excellent point. The first thing I'll do when I speak to someone is usually have a look at, you know, what the essential expenditure is and what the discretionary expenditure is. And this is, again, really important because people can see what they what they truly value. And a lot of the time, you know, before I came into this, it was like, especially in the army, you know, you'd get your salary that came in and you'd sort of, you know, spend it on beer, you know, taxis, 
food, you know, just things that you you had a great time, you had great experiences and all those sorts of things, but there was never any money at the at the end of the month. You you know, you didn't because you never really looked at it and saw where it went. So yeah, if you're looking at this ski trip that you've got for a grand, you might look at other things and just go, you know, I know coffee is one that always gets picked up, but actually what we did, um, we just had a look through the subscriptions that we'd, you know, got and how much we were using them and going, well, is that is that the same value? You know, and before you know it, you actually look through some of the subscriptions, you think it's 50 pounds a month going out on things that we hardly ever use. Why don't we just stop that and know that that's going towards, you know, the ski trip? So that's in six months time. That's already 300 pounds towards the ski trip. So you're only having to find another, you know, 700 pounds. So, you know, a deep dive on those things. And it's one, you know, it might be perfect now that everyone's sort of in isolation and you know, not knowing what to do. A perfect time to have a look into these things. It might not be something that's looked at. So that's a really good place to start. Um, and again, you can just see, right, well, do I want my Netflix and Spotify and all those sorts of things? How much value does that bring to me? Or am I going to get more experience from, you know, a one-off ski trip? And arguably, you might go, well, no, actually, I want to, I want to keep the Netflix. I'll find the, I'll find the money from somewhere else. So one thing that people were asking me in the Stronger Life group was, how do they set up a savings account, or how do they really start to save a good amount of money for things like a mortgage, for instance? Okay, so. There'll be different things associated with with the different goals that people have. So if you take the example of a mortgage, you know there's there's two parts to it really. Um, you've got the the amount that you can borrow from a bank to cover the mortgage, and then you need to look at that and go right. Well, what are my monthly payments going to be? And then if you tie that back into your budgeting and going well, that's you know that's going to be seventy percent of my monthly expenditure. I might have a nice house, but things are going to you know look pretty miserable in in all the other aspects. Um, uh, and equally, when you sort of, you know, you work that out, can you build up a big enough deposit to reduce what those monthly costs would be? And so, you know, they're the various considerations. But again, keeping it quite high level, um, the first thing I would do is go, right, what's the time frame? Again, almost like this journey that I've, you know, alluded to. If you if you know where you are now and you have a detailed understanding of, of the sort of your, your income that's coming in and what can be set aside for that, you can work out how long it will take you if you put that into a specific area or a specific savings account, you know, how long it will take to build up said deposit based on your amount of money coming in, how much a bank would be willing to lend you. And then you can start to, you know, look at look at things within a certain bracket. The way of reverse engineering that is going, I want that house that costs X. This is how, you know, I need to I need to go right well in order to be able to afford the monthly things on that, this is how much um, deposit I need. Therefore, it will take me X amount of time to do that. So how much money would somebody need? I know this is, again, how long is a piece of string, but yeah, how much money would somebody need for a deposit on a house? Do you know what? It varies. And um, sort of mortgage broking isn't my area of speciality, um, but it will depend between you know different banks. The more money you can get together for the deposit, the less sort of overhead you have of that asset to still pay off. And again, you know, there could be a huge deep debate on whether you pay off mortgages quickly, whether that money could be put, you know, better elsewhere. It all depends on different rates that are, you know, had at the time. So that's something that's quite in depth. So 
Check with the mortgage broker. It's my uh, get out of jail with. <laughs> uh, with that no, mate, one. always always refer to the specialist when it's you know this isn't my area. Go and see the specialist. I'm a big advocate of that, and much respect to you for saying that. Yeah, because you know, like if you have the cash available, do you want to buy a house outright? You know, that could be that could be something, and again, it depends on where you put the value on that, and and so it, you know ties in very much into the individual. So we spoke about the, the mortgage there, but if we look at um, other things as well, sort of maybe for the long term um, university fund, just for just for an example, I think the key thing there is the real best way to do it to make sure that you get into the habit of it. And I remember when I first heard this expression, it didn't make any sense to me. So it was like, pay yourself first. And I was like, well, I get paid. So I'm already paid. What does what does that mean? You know, I, I want to go and spend this on the things that I enjoy spending my money on. But I think a better way of saying that is is pay your future self first, because, you know, you'll you'll, you'll thank thank yourself for it eventually. Oh, like um, this. So, um, yeah, for things for things like the college fund, when you get your money in. Um, so if you're in an, in an employed, stable job um, and money comes in each month, it's it's very easy to sort of delegate that off. And there is you know, a plethora of ways to be able to do that. We've already mentioned, you know, your own bank getting another current account, Monzo accounts, different pots, um, you know, and I think this is becoming, you know, more popular with different banks offering these sort of services as well. A lot of online only banks, um, you know, where they may be able to provide a slightly higher rate of interest on things because, you know, they're not paying people to, to be doing the face-to-face stuff and paying for physical properties, etc. So that's, you know, a really good thing to do first is make sure that you've got that, you put that away. And if you have, you know, that feeling that we say we've associated with it, you're not resenting doing that. You're actually, you know, pretty joyful to do it. You're like, yep, that is brilliant. That makes me feel good. I'm putting that away for a university fund, a second house, your boat, your Caribbean island, whatever it is, whatever it is specific to that individual. You know, it feels good doing it that way. And then after that, if you're, you know, the, the discipline sort of, you know, comes into it as with as with anything. Again, if we use the training analogy, it's all very well if you, you know, go out at the start of the month and you run 10 miles every day and you're feeling fantastic. But then you leave that for three, four months and don't do a thing. You're not going to get the, the long term benefits. So it's it's having that ability to see what it is going to achieve in the future. Pay that future self first. And just make sure that you maintain that, because if you do it once and then you don't do it again, you, you're, you're not actually doing anything. You might as well have just spent that money because it's not going to actually achieve that goal that you're looking for. Awesome. So if I wanted to put my 10 percent into different funds, yeah, is it possible? And this is showing my you know lack of banking knowledge. Can I set up like a direct debit to another current account that I have where each month on a certain date, which be the day after my payday? it would automatically get transferred 10, you know, I can work out what 10% of my income is for that month or for, for, you know, from my paycheck and that would get sent in there. So then I know that each month, you know, 400 pounds for all my bills and things will get put into the bills account or, you know, a hundred pounds will get put into my, uh, as you said, like my CPD fund, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the. Um, is that the best way the, to do the, it? The, the, it's, it's almost uh, what automated discipline. Oh, <laughs> that's that's it, it. it. I can't be trusted to do that every month. So if I can find it. a way that it will be done for me, 
then perfect. Because I'm not going to probably do that every month. But if I could set it up, yeah. if I can set it up once and just have it happen, then I'll be happy with that. That's that's it. So, yeah, you get it set up. You do those things when you have what's left in your fun account. And then you and then you can choose to, you know, do with that what you will. So I think one of the one of the misconceptions is to try and get these sort of big savings and start to have, you know, amounts of cash further down the line that, that seem quite substantial. You need to start with with big savings. But the, the truth is that's not really the case. It's actually small changes given long periods of time. Uh, it, it, you know, is where it's at. That's the whole sort of underpinning of, of, of everything that we sort of look at and why we look at the budget and why you can look at, you know, a couple of pounds here or there. So I just ran a quick, um, a quick sum, uh, and just looking at, um, you know, say you were to eat out a few times a week, um, you know, just just with work. If you didn't take um, lunch in and you just missed it a few times a week, and you went and you just say, you know, you treated yourself to something quite nice at seven pounds, you know, a few times a week, that can add up to about a grand over the year if you're working a certain amount of weeks and so on. You, you need to have, you know, some uh, some element. Of, so I go to Pret three times a week, get yeah. a sandwich and a, a drink, and it costs me seven quid, yeah. which is conservative at best. Yeah. And I do that three I'm thinking, times. I'm thinking Edinburgh prices here, am I? You know? yeah, well, <laughs> London prices. Um, so I do that three times a week, and it costs yeah. me a thousand pounds a year. Over the year. Yeah, so we've got to make some assumptions, okay, you know, the amount of time you work and all that sort of stuff. But let's just say that's that's one example of how, yeah. you know, you well, might there's... be able to make some, some yeah. stuff. So if you, were to, if you were to look at that and you were to say, right, okay, I'll save all that up for a year and then just start start investing that at a grand a year um, and then even to go, you know, conservative of, of some rates, you know, over, over a long period. So say if you were looking at an 18-year period, and we had, you know, a five percent after fees, you know, return of investment. Just ballpark. Where do you, where do you think that might get you? Oh God, I've got no idea. Math is not my strong point. Um, I don't know. Well, it's at least eighteen. So let's just say twenty-five grand. You're looking north of thirty grand. Oof. So you know that's. You know, right. depending, Brett, depending. Brett's cancer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You it's, know it's, uh, it's the tin pail for me every day. That's it. I'm sold. Yeah, that's, that's it. So, you know, and it, and it is, as you say, you know, that's just that's just one change. And it, of course, you know, it, it doesn't mean you've got to be like that and religious with it the whole time. But it's just if you if you know and you do that payment of your future self first, it's going, oh, well, I really want that. And it's like, actually, do I actually really want, you know, 30 grand, whatever, you know, whatever it has the potential to be. Yeah. Again, you know, there has to be some assumption made on, you know, rates of return, and it might have been 30 grand two weeks ago, and now it's, <laughs> you know, the markets have dropped, and that's assuming sort of investments. Yeah, so but on. no, that's a great example. We use a similar one in in uh, personal training with basically saying it's okay for the person you want to be or the person that you are. So every time you make a decision, you're either casting a vote saying I, I vote for the person that I want to be, the the fitter, stronger, leaner whatever it is, or you cast your vote for, nah, I want the donut, I want the pizza, I yeah. want to skip the gym and watch Netflix. Yeah. Um, it is just, you know, putting another check in the box for getting towards where you want to be. And, may, and in this case, it's, uh, for me, being able to give my son, 
you know, the education that I'm sure he'll he'll need at that time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, that's grand. And I think, you know, the key the key takeaway from everything we've sort of, you know, gone over is that, you know, everyone's going to be different and have different goals. But if you use some of the techniques and the sort of considerations that we've spoken about, it should be able to help everyone. And, and you know, the key thing, pay your future self first, get that set up. Cancel all your unnecessary subscriptions or the things that you that deem less valuable than what you really want. That's it. And then that's that, that vote for your future self. Awesome. Mate, I am all seriousness so much more clued up and actually quite excited to go and go through my bank statements and just figure out where where I could be saving and then set up these transfers so that I know this is going to this, this is going to this, this is going to this and, and to pay my future self. So I'm going to get on that straight away. Thank you so much for taking us through this today. been really, really valuable. Not at all. Not so, at all. If anyone wants to find out more about you and your services, where can they do that? Well, mate, I think um, you appreciate the feedback. I know, I know that having uh, got in touch after your first um, podcast, which I, you know, completely uh, resonated with loads of stuff there. Um, so people just get in touch with you. They can get in touch with me, and we can, you know, talk about some more bespoke things. As I said, every individual will be slightly different, uh, and that's part of the service I provide anyway. Normally, the first thing we do is before we go into anything um sort of too in depth just a sort of you know little chat to see if there's anything i can help with um and that's something that i'm always really you know grateful to be able to give to people perfect so if you want to speak to ed drop me a dm at toms.modernlife on instagram and i'll give you ed's contact details or you can jump into the stronger life collective private facebook group ed is an active member in there and i'm sure that if you've got any questions you could fire them to him there and he'd be happy to answer All right. Thanks very much, Ed. That's been so, so valuable. Appreciate your time. Not at all. Real pleasure. Thanks, Tom. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.